Get Ripple, the bright new drink with that ring-a-ding flavor, Ripple. Hello there. Welcome to the Ripple Podcast. Why can't I hear you? I don't know. Do you hear yourself? Hello, hello. I don't... Yeah, I hear you now. Yeah. Why? Okay. I think you're just far away from the mic. What episode is this? God. Someday we'll get it right. I think it's actually episode 96? 95. 95. 95? Yeah. Holy shit. It's a lot. It's a lot of episodes. It's more episodes than we have listeners. Oh my gosh, you're right. Look at us. We got a new review. I saw that. It was a nice review from... It was a cute little um, name. What was Something it? Something about love. You are loved 24-7. What Left if us you, a what nice if review. Yeah. And I was just going to say, like, what if it's just some random person or a bot or something that goes around and, like, adds nice reviews to people for some reason? No. I, was like, they, I know. It's they specific. specifically us. I love the bantering sisters. You can't write that on any random podcast. Yeah. No. You're I right. like all the different drinks with a little murder on the side. I mean, you can't get much more specific than that. You're very true. You're very true. That's very true. You're very right. And speaking of drinks, I actually have a drink that kind of goes with the theme. What do you have for me? Okay. So I got, and I, I'm going to split this can between the two of us because I don't know how good it's going to be. Am I blowing your eardrums out right now? No, it's just adjusting oh. my headphones. Oh, okay. You were putting your hands over your ears. You're like too, I'm the one that's too loud. Oh. Well, anyway, um, if this is good, I have more of it in the fridge. But it, it looks is, like Skippy peanut butter. Oh, you're very, you're very true again. <laughs> yeah, you're very right because it is made with Skippy. Oh. So this is that is hilarious. I know it was at grocery outlet. I I've walked by this I think like three different times on three different trips, and I finally went ahead and bought it. But it's from San Luis Obispo, so it's kind of local to us. Uh-huh. It's from Central Coast Brewery, Central Coast Brewing, and it's made with real Skippy peanut butter. Uh, it's called Peanut P-Nut Butter Breakdown. It's a 6.4% stout. So it's kind of like on the heavier side uh-huh. for a summer drink. But since my story is kind of like a childhood nostalgia story, but also I'm going to ruin it. Um, I thought, you know, Skippy Peanut Butter, that's like a childhood that. sort of thing. Total- oh. So that's my connection. What? Um, it's still my favorite peanut butter. Well, yeah, but like it starts from childhood. You know, it's a kid thing. I love Skippy. Oh. It's my favorite. I don't think I've had it in so long. Mm -hmm. I have like four jars of it at my house. See, I wish I should probably try it again, but I got on the kick of like eating all the really expensive, fancy nut Nut butters. butters. (laughs) And it's bad. Like I I pay like eight bucks for a jar of butter, nut butter. Like right now I have a... It's so good. It's a salted maple almond butter, I oh, think. That, see, that sounds like a dessert. <sighs> it is. It is. It's delicious. So anyway, let's give this a shot. Okay. Oh, it is dark. Oh, that's, it's like a, did you say it was a stout? It is a stout. Okay, yeah, it looks like a stout. It's going to have quite a bit of head on it because I'm trying to pour with <laughs> one hand. And reach across we the table. We could never be like beard connoisseurs. We're talking about big head and nut Stop. butters. Okay, I might have to move my dogs. There's hold, a hold, hold please. please. And we're back. <laughs> I'm a little bit out of breath. Um, did you try your beer yet? No, I was waiting for you. Okay, let's try it together. Okay. Oh, it smells like peanut butter. 
Oh, wow. It smells a lot more like peanut butter than it tastes like peanut butter. The aftertaste is peanut butter. It's good. I it's, like it. It's not as heavy as I thought it would be. Agreed. The it's, mouth feel. <laughs> I don't know what that means. <laughs> um, yeah, it's not as, for a stout, it's not that heavy. But I feel like, <laughs> I feel like after that one sip, if I talk to somebody, I'm going to be breathing peanut butter all over them. Oh, really? You think it's that? St- I don't know. The aftertaste is. Okay. Yeah. I think it's more the smell than anything. I think it's actually, like, I agree. It's a lot lighter, bodied I don't know what the hell I'm talking about it's not as thick <laughs> as a stout but it uh it's kind of sweet it's sweeter than I thought it would be no there's it's not a bitter I, I'm so used to IPAs and like a strong like mm. bite to them mm-hmm. it's good I I'm, like it I'm pleasantly I mean I like peanut butter and I like beer so I'm not really surprised I like it but yeah, I think it would be really good. See, I would like butcher this. I would add like something like berry flavored to it. Because you want the peanut butter and yes, jelly. Yes, exactly. Maybe like. I want that. Like a, what are those like grandma cookies? Like the shortbread with like the jam in the Finger middle. Fingerprints, right? Is that what they're called? Thumbprint cookies. No, no, those are peanut butter with chocolate in the middle. Oh, are they? I don't know. Yeah, I know what but you mean, you know, though. They're yeah, like grandma little, cookies. Right. They have like a little bit of raspberry jam uh-huh. or something. That'd be delicious there with this. There you go. There's your I peanut butter and jelly. I do not have jelly. those, but that's good. I like it. Okay. So before we get started, is there anything you want to tell me about your week, about your day? Well, I, I know you have a bit of a story, um, and I just actually thought of this a second ago, and I know for our four listeners... Um, if you're if you listen to us, you probably listen to a lot other podcasts that are way better, way more professional. And Angela and I just recently heard about Brit on Crime Junkies. Mm-hmm. So we just you know from the from our little teeny tiny podcast to theirs, we're just sending lots of well wishes to Brit and the whole Crime Junkies family. Yeah, Good that's thoughts. really sad. Very very sad. It's really scary. Um, yeah, if you yeah, don't know what really, happened, she had a brain bleed. Yeah, which I don't even know. Like, how is, how does that even happen? These are the things that keep me up at night. Like, how is it? Is it from an injury? Is it from a stroke? I don't even know. It's just terrifying and sad. And I, I hope that she gets better soon and that they're all recovered and back on track. Yeah. Because I, it's just like out of nowhere, you know? Well, to go to the negative side of that, when I one of my first jobs when I was working at Park and Rec, remember I don't even know if you, you were probably barely in high school, but uh, there was a girl there. She had just graduated college, probably in her late twenties. Um, collapsed in the office one day, had a brain aneurysm. Oh my god! Blue. Um, when by the time the paramedics got there, it was terrible. That's so scary. Terrible. Oh but, great! But anyways, well wishes to to that whole podcast and like I said we're you know small time especially compared to a podcast like that but we're thinking of the podcast and their families and everything okay do you want to lighten that mood a little bit because I just started out with a major downer yes and no so the story that I have for you today I will say out of all the stories that I've researched for all however many episodes 95 yeah um, this one is probably the most horrific. Oh, the shit. The most 
disturbing. What? The most just unimaginable. Like, I don't think I've ever told you a story where I've had to censor things before. And this story, I am definitely censoring some things. And if you want the details, you're going to have to look them up yourself. And I'll tell you when we get to that part. Uh, But I will say that this whole horrific story starts off with a 90s cartoon. Okay, so I keep glancing at your TV because there's, like, since I've got here, there's been cartoons on. And normally when I'm here, it's, like, cooking shows or, you know, YouTube challenges and Teen Mom. Not (laughs) Casper the Friendly Ghost or whatever this is. So, okay, yeah. So, Rosa, have you ever heard of this the cartoon Courage the Cowardly Dog. No. Okay. Courage the Cowardly Dog was a cartoon on the Cartoon Network. and a lot I didn't of, have cable. Exactly. That's why I didn't watch it growing up either. <laughs> but a lot of millennials did grow up with this cartoon. All right. So let me give you a rundown um, for you and everybody else who has not heard of Courage the Cowardly Dog. So it was a beloved cartoon that aired on the Cartoon Network from 1996 to 2002. The show was created by John R. Delworth, and it was unlike very many other cartoons at the time. So it incorporated these like elements of supernatural. So kind of like Scooby-Doo, you know, there's like ghosts and mm-hmm. aliens and mm-hmm. stuff. But this also added an, an element of horror. So this was kind of around the time where like Goosebumps was becoming oh, cool. popular. Yeah, uh-huh. And Tales from the Crypt. But it also had that kind of traditional cartoon humor to it so think of like scooby-doo but add murder and darkness like real murder like not real murders obviously but like like the characters actually died no oh well because, maybe because like, i haven't watched all of them like like even like um the roadrunner and the coyote right like they were very violent they tried to kill each other all the time but they ne- yeah. didn't really die it was like that but it's just got like a, a darker element. So let me get a little bit more specific. So the show takes place on a rural farmhouse located in what? The amount of background noise in this episode is going to be hilarious. It's okay. Nobody listens. It's totally <laughs> fine. A rural farmhouse. See, I'm just trying to say that word. Located in a city or a town called the middle of nowhere. And this elderly couple, Muriel and Eustace. I have a hard time saying that name. Eustace. Because it starts with an E. Yeah. Lived with their dog named Courage. So most episodes begin with like a visitor stopping by the house. And Muriel is always super gracious and like she's really sweet. And she's kind of naive because most of these visitors are villains. They have ill intentions. And Courage tries to warn Eustace and Muriel uh, but they use this kind of teases them for being paranoid and Muriel is just like, oh, everything's fine. It's totally fine. So they get thrown into these bizarre, oftentimes supernatural misadventures that often risk the lives of Muriel and Eustace. But Courage has to overcome his fear and help save his family. So, I mean, it sounds kind of cute, right? Yeah, totally. I'd watch this. So let me read you a review from KJ Del Antonia. Never heard of her before or him or whoever it is from Common Sense Media. And they gave the show three out of five stars. And it says, quote, this is a cult favorite tune plays over the top violence for laughs. 
Antonio warns parents that the series contains graphic animated violence, including exploding organs. Oh, growing turning inside out, you name it. Randy Miller of DVD Talk says the show's aimed for a younger audience that doesn't usually go for the thrills and chills. So it's good to see a genuinely surreal, slanted series develop a decent following. So it's like you wouldn't really expect, you know, kids who are watching the Cartoon Network to see some of these creepy cartoons. Imageries. And uh, just to give you a little bit of a, a rundown of some specific episodes, there's an episode called The Queen of the Black Puddle. And here's the little episode description. After a rainstorm, a puddle queen materializes at the farm. She woos the farmer, Eustace, and drags him down into her puddle world. Muriel, Muriel is heartbroken, so courage must save the farmer. There's another episode about Muriel's new mattress, which arrives with an added bonus. It holds demons, which take over her body. This is kind of sexual. Sexual? Well, I mean, if the, like, the puddle queen is, like, wooing the farmer and, like, taking him off into her little thing, and, like, they're going to do some mattress dancing, and... I didn't get that at all. Oh, maybe that's just where my brain goes. I think that was just your brain. (laughs) I mean, maybe. I haven't seen those episodes. Uh, I did watch a couple episodes just to kind of get an idea of it for this episode, but I didn't grow up with it. So I feel like I'm not the best person to be evaluating. But I'm gonna I'm gonna give it my best. How many episodes have you watched? I watched three episodes. Okay, which I like. That's a decent amount. And then I read so many reviews and Reddit. Yeah, Reddit holes. Holes. Reddit holes. Speaking of Reddit holes, there's a whole thread on Reddit Reddit about how this show gave people nightmares. So people who are around my age, you know, like millennial age who watched this growing up and now they're adults and they still like kind of go back and think about like, wow, that was a really weird show that we watched growing up. So I wanted to read you a couple um, just kind of like little thoughts from that thread. Okay. So one of them was from Steel Talons 310 and it says, quote, there was something wrong with that show. I swear (laughs) to God, it always inspired fear in me in ways that legitimate horror movies could not. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's kind of saying something. They go on to say, because horror movies are basically horror, Courage, however, is a kid's show that dwindles itself into horror and thriller territory while disguised as a mystery cartoon. And it works. While given millions of children PTSD... And the meaning of bravery and truly facing our fears for the best of it. The last episode of Courage with his parents on the rocket ship really shows that. I didn't watch that episode. You um, didn't watch the whole, the season finale? I thought I did, but I don't remember seeing a rocket ship. But anyway, you kind of get the idea. Like, he's saying, you know, it was it was a good show and I couldn't stop watching it, but also it was traumatizing and do you think it's because of the age you're so imprinted at yes. like a certain age? I think so. Because I remember the first horror movie I ever watched. I remember the first time I learned about death on television was a Sesame Street episode. Oh, that's weird. 
and it was only aired one time and they had so many parents complain about it that they never aired it again. Interesting. And I was one of the lucky few that got to watch that episode. Wow. Mr. Hooper died. Oh. I don't know who that is, but that's sad. Yeah. So I wonder if that has something to do with it because you're at, you know, a young age and you're you're impressionable. Yeah, I think so. I and I will talk a little bit about that later on um, because I kind of draw some conclusions over some of these weird theories. And I think you're totally right. I think a lot of it has to do with being at an impressionable age. And just to further that note, I have. A few other Reddit reviews that I want to read you before we go move on to the next Ripple because this weird-ass story that I put together for you this week is like four stories in one. And it's a listener request. And it's a listener request, and it truly just takes on the whole idea of the Ripple podcast because we're going we're gonna to ripple all over this. I like it. Okay. So the next little uh, Reddit I don't know, post thing that I have here is from Fairy Hawk. And Fairy Hawk says, God, this episode scared the hell out of my brother and I. We tended to sleep with the TV on at night and with the volume really low. Sometimes this episode would start before we fell asleep. So we'd cower in our bunk beds and hum whenever he popped up. Oh, geez. Even my older cousin saw this and he was like, hell, that's creepy. When he saw it for the first time with us. And he's referring to the episode called The Slab, which Rose, I don't know if you noticed, but that was the one that was playing when you came in. Did you see that guy who kind of like came out of the ground? It was mm. like really creepy looking. It almost looked like like CGI. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. It had like like thingies coming out of his head or whatever. I don't know. Yeah. I saw some creepy looking thing. Yeah. There's a lot of, that's one thing that they did with this show is that it's not all the traditional cartoon animation. There's a little bit of claymation Mm -hmm, thrown in and mm -hmm. a little bit of like other different techniques that they mixed in with your like traditional. I feel like that was like kind of the, of the time of the nineties as well. Yeah, definitely. Herman kind of random stuff. Yeah. So razor, (laughs) <laughs> With an extra couple letters in there. 65 says, oh, yeah, I was easily spooked as a kid. And not what I think they meant to say. I was not easily spooked as a kid. And a lot of things encourage the cowardly dog scared me. And this one gave me nightmares for weeks. I remember it was during the summer and I kept hoping that school would start back up so that I could forget about these episodes. Oh, jeez. I kept watching. <laughs> so that's Whoa. kind of the thing. Um, is that like it was creepy, but it also it was intriguing and people still remember it, you know, years later. So, Rosa, I have a couple pictures to show you of the episodes itself. So this is Courage, the little pink dog and his family. And that's the middle of nowhere, their little farmhouse. Is, is the artist the same person that does Rugrats? I think so. It looks that like, same sort of style. It screams Rugrats to me. Yeah. I think um, it definitely has that 90s vibe that uh-huh. quite a few cartoons were drawn in that style. But then you can see this is one of the villains. Oh. So this is the violin girl. Um, She's pretty terrifying looking. I don't know if you want to describe her. She's got two eyes that are different sizes, like full on popping out of her head, like bulging. Like, like she doesn't have a skin on her face. It looks like her whole face is ripped off. And she's got all these, like, 
naggly, straggly teeth and maybe pigtails that are sticking straight out. Yeah, she's 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 scary. So do you think your kid would be scared watching a show like this? Oh, yeah, my skit, my kid for sure would be. So I have a couple more of the villains. This is one of the episodes that I watched. Oh, that one scares me. This is the mask. Oh, it's um, why does that scare me? There's not a lot to it. It's like a what shape like a like a wine glass head shape that's white, just all white. And then these huge black eyes and a little teeny nose and a little teeny mouth and like um, like a hospital gown, like a long flowing gown. Very simple. But that one's creepy to me. Creepier than the first one. And this is the one that was just on. This is the, the villain from the slab. It looks like a, like he's got ripped off clothing that's blowing in the wind. Kind of like a mummy. Like yeah. some just. Or just, like he's been underwater. Like almost like seaweedy flowing looking. Yeah. And this one again, it's um the animation is a little bit different. It's more like a, it looks like it came out of a video game mm-hmm. almost rather than like a traditional 90s cartoon. Yeah. Very different than the, the Rugrats looking art artistry. Okay. So now that we got the background on this creepy cartoon that people were obsessed with and developed a cult following, I'm going to get into some of the ripples. So on Reddit and various other sites that like talk about like, why is this? Why does this stick with me for so long? Why am I still thinking about this cartoon years and years later? And people started to develop these theories on like, what if what was the what was going on? Like, why was this even allowed for kids to watch? Why was it even on, like, Cartoon Network? It just seems very odd and out of place. And, like, was it based on something? Where did these crazy ideas even come, come from? from? Yeah, like, I remember watching cartoons, you know, Saturday morning cartoon type thing. And I, I you know, I watched Pepper Ann and I watched rugrats but i can't really even remember what any of the actual episodes were about right they were just kind of like general stories like somebody gets in a fight at school or like somebody has a crush on somebody it didn't really stick with you no, like some of not these at all. did mm-hmm. so people who grew up watching this creepy show turned into adults who loved to learn about all things strange and mysterious and that's how some of these Redditors developed theories about Courage the Cowardly Dog being based, or at least inspired by, true events. Okay. So one of the cases that was eerily similar was the dis- disappearance of William and Margaret Patterson, which happened back in 1957 from El Paso, Texas. So have you heard of them? Because no. I hadn't. No. So apparently this is actually a pretty famous case. It wasn't one that... I've ever looked into before, but William was described as a bit of a crabby man, much like the character Eustace. And Margaret, similar to Muriel, was a petite woman who was like really warm and friendly and inviting. And the last person to see this couple was a neighbor named Jerry Cash, who stopped by to drop off some Girl Scout cookies. Margaret invited Jerry in, but William seemed to be kind of annoyed to have a visitor, which is just like the TV show. Like, that's what happens again and again and Every again. Every episode. It's like a reoccurring theme. Uh, but the following day, the couple had seemingly vanished. 
Their home was left exactly how it was, like all their belongings were still there, but they were gone, except they had a pet that was left behind. Oh. And the rumors went that they had a dog that was just left behind. It sounds, I mean, most people, like if you're going to have a pet, dog seems like a reasonable one. Except it was actually a cat. But to make the story fit a little bit more, I think it kind of got changed in the translation. And they're thinking like, oh, that's so weird. That's just like this. They're out in El Paso, Texas. They're out in the middle of nowhere. They're this like this couple that's just grumpy man, nice woman. Grumpy man. So theories started to circulate about what could have happened to them. Some people believed that maybe they were they were murdered and they were buried somewhere on the land or that. They were like these government spies and they just vanished and went back to their home what year country. Was this? this was back in the 50s. Okay. And the people just like, they started thinking of, oh, what could have happened? Was it a UFO? Like what? Like there's just no, they're just vanished without a trace. Mm-hmm. But the most popular theory that came from the Pattersons being missing, at least in the Reddit world, But the most popular theory comes from reports that the Pattersons made weeks leading up to their disappearance. Although these reports cannot be confirmed, the legend goes like this. The couple began seeing strange creatures around their property. They sometimes looked like animals, while other times they looked more humanish. They were pretty spooked by these creatures around their property, so they contacted the local sheriff's office. The next day... The couple vanished. So what were these human-animal hybrids? They were a group of teenagers. Oh. Called the Animorphs, who obtained the ability to transform into any animal that they touch. (laughs) They use their ability to battle a secret alien infiltration by Earth by a parasitic race of aliens resembling large slugs called yurks that can what take is happening? Wait, Animorphs, a, this was a book. Yeah, it was a book. Oh. I'm just kidding. I just threw that in there because it sounded like the book. Oh. And I was like in the 90s nostalgia. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah. That's, I uh, remember sitting I had, in the library and staring at the cover and wondering how they made the picture go from one person into an animal. Yes. I remember those. Okay, wait. So Animorphs aren't really part of this? No, but Skinwalkers are. Oh, okay. (laughs) Okay, so yeah, the whole story about this couple disappearing, if you look deep into it, there's all kinds of like more realistic theories about like bad business dealings and owing people money and things like that. But it's much more fun to look at the paranormal side and especially Uh when we're talking about connecting it to a 90s cartoon and look at the theories that say that it was skinwalkers that made these people disappear so if you're not familiar with skinwalkers are you do you know anything about skinwalkers very little okay so it's kind of the idea wait let me backtrack a little bit So in the southwestern region of the United States, before it became the United States, the Navajo tribe had a feud with the tribe of the Utes, which is another tribe that was in the area. Okay. And the Utes were capturing people from the Navajo tribe, and they were selling them into slavery. Okay. So they kind of had, obviously, a very uh, bad relationship, a lot of battles going on back and forth. So the Navajo were eventually run off by the Utes, but before they left, they cursed the land with 
skinwalkers. And the skinwalker curse is similar to like the idea of like werewolves. If okay. you're, mm-hmm. you kind of, that's like the best, closest Western sort of folklore that I can think of that relates to They come out at night. They're shapeshifters. Mm-hmm. They are human-like at sometimes, and then they can take on the skins of animals and shapeshift into whatever they need to in order to kind of gain, either gain your trust or gain your interest and lure you in and then do bad things to you. So the whole idea of them seeing these weird, oh, it's kind of like a wolf, but it doesn't quite look right. And there's this lurking going around our property was the idea that skinwalkers were there because they were on this land. Mm-hmm. And, and seeing they these weird animal taken away. So the story goes that William and Margaret were seeing these skinwalkers. And this isn't the first time that skinwalkers have been blamed for strange disappearances. So in 1993, well, I guess this isn't the first or the last time because in 1993 is after 1953. Yeah, a little bit. So Terry and Gwen Sherman purchased a cattle ranch in Utah known as Skinwalker Ranch. I've heard of that. Why have I heard of that? That's like it's a huge pretty, thing. Yeah, it's it. So obviously, they didn't initially name it Skinwalker Ranch. It was named Skinwalker Ranch after they had all of these encounters with Skinwalkers. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was initially called Sherman Ranch. But once they moved in, they quickly saw all these like strange things lurking around their property, and they described them as being like these large wolf-like creatures but kind of had these human characteristics as well. And they quickly realized that that was the reason that this ranch was sold for well under the market price and why all of the doors and windows were built with these like super heavy duty bolts and locks. Oh, crazy. So they kind of ended up turning it into a tourist trap. So, you know. That's why I've heard of it. Yeah. Take that as you will. Uh Uh-huh. They also had aliens that mutated their cattle. That's like... A whole other story. story. Okay, so <laughs> I'm going to show you a couple pictures okay. of skinwalkers. And we'll put all these on the Insta. Yes. So if you want to describe this picture. I've seen this picture. Okay, it is so creepy. It's somebody, something on all fours, but it looks like... Okay, like, if you know what a bridge is, like, in gymnastics, like, where you arch your belly up towards the sky, it looks like that, but the head is on backwards. Wait, your belly up towards the sky? So, you know, oh, you, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You're, you're mm-hmm. like, a back bend, kind of. Yeah. Um, or, so- like, if you're doing yoga, like, cat-cow, that oh, would yeah. be the cow. But the head is backwards. The head oh. is facing the opposite direction. I didn't even notice that. See that? Right? See, these are like the knees. <gasps> yes. Okay. Now I see it. Yeah. It's it's very weird. It's a very like unnatural contorted position. And it's like the limbs are not proportionally correct. No, the front arms are like super long. But this is like a, to me, it looks like a knee and a, a thigh. And a butt. But it's. There's ass cheeks pointed towards the ground. But it's the head is facing the wrong wrong direction yeah it's creepy super creepy yeah 
Okay, tell me about that picture. Okay. Or um, do you want me to look at this one? This next picture is, yeah, it's a drawing kind of from the Navajo perspective of like a wolf form of a skinwalker and then a human form. And it kind of gives you the idea of how they would shift shift, shift. and like choose which, which creature that would be like most beneficial to them. Yeah, it looks very much like um what's that that vampire twilighty you know oh. how that guy turned into a werewolf, right? I never watched Twilight. I think I think there are vampires in Twilight. It's like Team Edward, Team Jacob. How do I know that? I don't know. Yeah. I've never watched Twilight. Mm-hmm. But that's what it looks like. Like I someone turning into a werewolf. Okay. So you can kind of see how people would make this connection, right? Like, so you have the cartoon. It's like, oh, maybe it's inspired by skinwalkers. Like, that's kind of makes sense. Mm-hmm. Like, these weird shape-shifty people, there's always somebody who's kind of in a weird disguise and they're going to the, the farmhouse and trying to get in for either to hurt the family or to get some sort of, like, gain from mm-hmm. them. And then mm-hmm. courage has to fight them off. Okay. So, like, yeah, um, I could see that weird connection. Mm-hmm. I don't I don't know why you're still thinking about it, but obviously it had a big impact on people. So then a few years later, another theory comes out. And this theory came in response to a photo that was put on the news. So I'm going to show you this photo. And I'm also going to show you again a picture of the farmhouse from the actual cartoon itself. So people saw this farmhouse and it just like triggered the memory. Oh, that looks like Courage the Cowardly Dog's house. So here's the photo of the farmhouse. Oh, I think I just scrolled down. Oh, I got you. Okay. And then Pretty. if you go down a little bit, you'll see. So this is the actual Skinwalker house? Oh, no, 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 no. It just came across the news. And I'll tell you why it oh, was in the okay. news in just a second. I mean, sure. Similar-ish. I mean... I mean, it's a brown house in a desert with like, it's just kind of like dirt. There's not a lot of green vegetation and like a a pretty clear blue horizon. There's no mountains in the distance or anything. Same kind of shape-ish. They both have little teeny chimneys. Yeah, sure. I could see that. So this theory, I'm not exactly sure where it originated, but it was on Chive. And oh my gosh, I forgot about that website. Yeah, which just like didn't Chive just have a bunch of weird little like snippet type things mm-hmm, about so. pop culture and I don't right right yeah I was never really into it I, I know some either. people were like super fans so the photo that I showed you of the farmhouse out in the middle of nowhere was located in the city of New Mexico called Truth and Consequences wait that's the name of the city that's the name of the city okay. And that's kind of like another connection that people made. Hey, Truth and Consequences is a really weird name, but also the city called a mid- the Middle of Nowhere is a weird name. Mm-hmm. So they're like desperately trying to they're put looking. this story together. Mm-hmm. And just a few miles away, a man named David Parker and his girlfriend Cindy Hendy lived in Elephant Butte, New Mexico. David was a local mechanic, and he was known to be, like, a super handy guy. He would always help out his neighbors and friends, and he could fix pretty much anything that broke. He was previously married and had an adult daughter named Glenda. A and witch. 
<laughs> Glenda the Good Witch. She went by Jesse, and I don't blame her. Um, <laughs> he was always the guy who had like some sort of project going on, like in his driveway or his backyard or whatever. And Cindy worked at a local state park. So I imagine she was like either a ranger or worked at the little like kiosk or I don't mm-hmm. know. And she was described as being like super friendly and bubbly. So here's when things get weird. On March 3rd, 1999, a young woman by the name of Cynthia Weigel of Truth and Consequences was found running down a residential street wearing nothing but an iron slave collar and a padlock chains. She had been held captive in what can only be described as a homemade torture chamber that she was locked in for three days. How did she get there? You ask? I do. I ask that. (laughs) How did she get there? Well, she was walking through a parking lot when she was approached by a police officer who accused her of soliciting sex. The officer arrested her, but instead of taking her to a local jail, he drove her handcuffed back to a toy box trailer. So a toy box trailer, for people who don't know, is like, um, it's a trailer that has like... ATVs and stuff. Right. So think like of a, a travel trailer, but it also has like room where it can have the whole back wall retract and you can put in like quads and stuff. Right? Yeah. It's like an RV to sleep in, but also for your off-road vehicles. Well, this one was for torture rape. Fantastic. So yes. I'm guessing this wasn't really a policeman. This was not really a policeman. This backyard was located in Elephant Butte in the home of David Parker Ray. Once inside, she was chained to a gynecological examination chair. Oh, wow. There was a mirror on the ceiling. Oh, geez. And pornographic images covering the walls. The words Satan's Den were painted on the walls. David then put on a 45-minute cassette tape that described the abuse and torture, which was soon to be subjected. She was soon to be subjected. That was going to happen to her. (laughs) Wait. So, like, he's playing, like, a tape, Mm -hmm. and it's, like, telling him what to do to her? I'll play the beginning of it for you. Shut the fuck up. Yes. So... And I, I know, like, this, again, this is one of those, like, ripple stories. So the the photo that I showed you of the house is supposed to be, which hasn't necessarily been, like, confirmed to an individual, but the home of a victim. Oh. Okay. So not keep that of... in your mind. And we're all going to take this back to a 90s cartoon. I promise <laughs> you. But first, we need to go down the, ta- the toy box torture trailer. Got it. TTT. <laughs> so um, I'm going to play. And this again, this is when at the beginning of this whole episode, I told you there are things in this episode that I am going to censor because they are too dark, too dark and too horrific. And imagine the worst things that could possibly be done to a person. And it's actually worse than that. Oh, geez. Um, so I am only going to play the first minute and 40 seconds of this tape before I shut it off. Because it just because this will haunt your dreams. Tape available to listen to. It is. It's really weird. It's on YouTube. Um, I'm su- 
surprised. Yes, so was I. Because YouTube censors a lot of things that they deem unfit uh, for, you know, viewing, viewing, Mm -hmm. listening, consumption. But for whatever reason, this is on there. Hmm. So let me get this going for you. Um, Should I play it from the computer or from my phone? Try it from the computer and see how it works. Do you want me to ask our engineer sound person? Oh, yeah. Go ahead and do that. Okay. Where's the speaker on this thing? Hello there, bitch. Are you comfortable right now? I doubt it. Wrists and ankles chained, gagged, probably blindfolded. You are disoriented and scared too, I would imagine. Perfectly normal under the circumstances. For a little while, at least, you need to get your shit together and listen to this tape. It is very relevant to your situation. I'm going to tell you in detail why you have been kidnapped, what's going to happen to you, and how long you'll be here. I don't know the details of your capture because this tape is being created July 23rd, 1993 as a general advisory tape for future female captives. The information I'm going to give you is based on my experience dealing with captives over a period of several years. If, at a future date, there are any major changes in our procedures, the tape will be upgraded. Now, you are obviously here against your will. Totally helpless. Don't know where you're at. Don't know what's going to happen to you. You're very scared or very pissed off. I'm sure that you've already tried to get your wrists and ankles loose. No, you can't. Now you're just waiting to see what's going to happen next. Okay. So I'm not going to tell you what's going to happen next because it's awful. Oh, jeez. Did you listen to the whole thing? Uh, No. I, I listened. So right past that, he talks about like some, some pretty sexual things that are really bad. And I kind of skipped around and listened to just bits and pieces. And it is like... I, I mean, just like Who I said. Who is this guy? Are we going to find out? Yeah. Well, I, I already told you his name is David Parker Ray. Oh, okay. Um, But like. But like. Okay. Keep like, who is he? Yeah. Like. Like, what's his, his background? What's his deal? Uh, So it's really, really like, okay, obviously it's terrible and evil, but it's very fascinating because there is a ton of information about him available. And I hope that really smart people who are able to analyze really terrible, evil people and make sure that those people don't become who they have become. (laughs) Uh, You know what I mean? Like make sure that people don't become monsters. Yes. Are able to use that information. Because if you go online and, and, like, read about this guy, I mean, everything from his childhood to his career to his relationships, it's all out there. Um, So I'm just shocked that I had never heard of him before researching this story. He did a lot of really, really awful things. Is he dead? Yes, he is. And we will get to that part next. But first, I want to show you some of the pictures of... Satan's Den. So, Rosa, this if you want to... This is wanna... the Satan's Den the girl escaped from. Yes. 
Oh, okay. It's it's very small, like a very small little like tight quarter area. There's in the center of the very like like room. It looks like a dentist chair, maybe. Not a dentist chair. Okay, well it it has stirrups. A vaginal examination chair. Vaginal? <laughs> vaginal? Vaginal. Gynecological? That's the word. With lots of straps on it. There's all kinds of shit hanging all over the walls, which... Oh, and there's like electric cords attached to stuff. Um, I don't really know what is on the walls. I can't tell. Like, I can't make anything specifically out. That's probably a good thing. Um, so imagine... Have you ever seen the movie Saw? Part yeah, I couldn't do it. I couldn't do it. I, exactly. I had to so, stop. I, I if I were to relate him to any sort of like fictional villain. horror movie villain, it would be Jigsaw mm-hmm. because the stuff that he did involving just grossness. power tools oh, involving, I mean, just the worst kinds of things um, involving animals. Like mm-hmm. he did. So I'll just, I'll leave it at that. Um, Let me tell you a little bit more about how he got caught. Did this poor girl, she escaped. How did she escape? That's what we're getting to. So, um, so we now know that, yeah, David, the mechanic, the friendly, everybody loved him. He was this funny, helpful guy who helped everybody out in the neighborhood. He was truly this evil person in disguise. So then we go to Cindy, the girlfriend. Like, she was just like sweet little bubbly Cindy from the state park. Was she involved as well? Well, she was. Mm, you ha- yeah, you have to know. Yeah. So the back to how she escaped so one morning after david left for work cindy entered the toy box and i don't know exactly what the details were for her entering whether she was there to abuse uh cynthia whether she was there to she was using like a bucket as a toilet if she was there to do i i have no idea but Mm -hmm. she enters the toy box and then she gets a phone call so she immediately leaves the toy box to take this phone call. So I'm assuming she doesn't want the person on the phone to hear noises the being made. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's when Cynthia saw an opportunity to grab the key that Cindy had left Whoa. within reach. So she grabs the key. She unlocks herself. Cindy is just outside the door. So she knows she has to go past her to get out. And she does. And of course, a fight ensues. Cindy actually was able to grab a lamp, which I assume was inside of the toy box, Mm -hmm. and hit Cynthia over the head with it. Oh, my gosh. But Cynthia, luckily, being surrounded in a torture dungeon, grabbed an ice pick and stabbed Cindy in the neck, which was what allowed her to get away. It did not kill Cindy. But it stopped her enough. But it stopped her enough so that Cynthia could escape. That's... Oh, go ahead. Yeah. she, She was running down the streets naked in chains jesus um it's crazy that like you think i mean i'm sure they're not taking very good care of her obviously but it, she was in there for three days i wonder if like four or five you know she probably wouldn't have had that much food that much energy to fight her off like that that was like like perfect timing too much longer she probably would have been dead well there's there's more to it oh. so um 
According to whether or not you believe what they say or what the tape says, they did not kill everyone. So they just tortured the hell out of them. They tortured the hell out of them. And they kind of had like this, if you believe what they say, a bargaining situation. With who? With the victims? Yes. So if the victims. I'm getting seriously pissed off. (laughs) If the victims cooperated, they would be let go. And not tell anyone? Well, they couldn't tell anybody because they had this way, or at least they thought they had this way, of hypnotizing their victims and deleting it from their memory with the use of... A flashing pen? No. Um, That would have been a lot nicer, but they would hypnotize them and kind of like just give them this heavy dose of barbiturates and then they would dump them off the side of the road somewhere they would be you know beat to hell dehydrated hungry whatever drugged up and then they wouldn't remember how they got there or what even happened if the victims fought and tried to kick scream whatever they would be killed Hmm. so once Cynthia is able to get help she gets taken to the police, which I can only imagine would be terrifying in and of itself because you thought that a police officer is was the person who took you to that torture right. chamber to begin with. But she got to the police. She was able to tell her story. She was able to tell them where she escaped from. So then the police were able to arrest David and Cindy. So they didn't like pull the toy box out of there and jam like, no. They, and they I don't stayed. think they could have. I don't think the toy box was really in a position to be moved. Oh. Um, at least the way it looked from like the Google satellite imagery. Mm-hmm. It was like kind of built into the back of their yard. Oh. Um, yeah. I, I don't think they could have would have even had the opportunity to try to jam out of there. Mm-hmm. And remember, David's at work at this time. He doesn't even know any of this is happening. And, like, Cindy got ice-picked in the neck, so she probably needs to go to the hospital or whatever. Um, so they, they go back, and the, everything that she tells them, obviously, is right there and real. Mm-hmm. But then they find so much more, because not only did David have that cassette tape that basically just lined out everything that he was planning on doing to these victims, but he also had a video camera that recorded all of the crazy ass abuse that he was doing to these people so now that they have that evidence as well and before he even had the video camera set up he had a journal which is documenting all of the fucked up shit that he was doing he did all the police work for them pretty much so this is kind of how it worked they were pretty much disguised as these amazing wonderful people in their community And they would use that to build trust with whoever, whether it was, you know, being dressed as a cop or being, you know, helping somebody on the side of the road because he was a mechanic Mm -hmm. or uh, Cindy also lured people in and she was worked at the parks. So obviously, who are you going to go to if you need help with anything? You're going to go to the person who works at the park. Like if you're on a hike or whatever. Living such double lives. Well, that's how these redditors and chive whatever people related it back to the cartoon Mm -hmm. that's like okay you have this person who is disguised as somebody 
that's completely opposite of who they really are behind closed doors. And that's how they get to you. So it's a bit of a stretch. I don't think there's any connection, especially considering this happened three years after the cartoon actually aired. <laughs> but like, that's it's kind part. of fun to think about in the worst kind of way. Like it is. I do see the connection. So, OK, I'm, I'm bouncing around all over the place. Let me get back to the story. OK. So they the police, they find these tapes. Now they have videos and images of other victims that might not even know that they're victims. So they go to the news. They put out like this kind of like, hey, attention, everyone and anyone who woke up somewhere not knowing what the fuck happened to them and they get responses. So one of the people that responded, her name was Angelica Montano. And she was identified because they saw an ankle tattoo that was hers. Mm -hmm. And she had gone to the police previously, like when this attack initially happened, but she just didn't have any information to tell them. She was just like, something happened to me. And they they filed a report, but it never went anywhere. Because they didn't have any other information. They didn't. Exactly. So then another uh, victim that came forward was Kelly Garrett. Um, And she, this story is really sad. On the video, they identified another victim named Kelly Garrett, and she had testified that she had gotten into a fight with her husband and decided to spend the night playing pool with friends. On July 24th, 1996, Ray's daughter, Jessie, a.k.a. Glenda, who knew Garrett, took her to the Blue Water Saloon in Truth or Consequences. And that's where she drugged her beer. Garrett was then walked to the back parking lot where she was struck on the back of her head which knocked her unconscious and the sad thing is like obviously everything that was terrible like everything that happened to her was absolutely terrible but remember she had gotten to a fight with her husband so her husband assumed that she just ran off with somebody oh no and filed for divorce how long was she missing for um several days uh ray took her to the trailer attached a dog collar and leashed to her neck Garrett awoke but blacked out several times, oh, two days, that she was tortured and drugged. During this time, Ray noticed that she was breathing, like, not right, well, probably because uh-huh. she was drugged so much. So he was just going to kill her. So he slit her throat, oh my thinking that she was dead, and dumped her beside a road in Caballo. I don't know where that is. Uh, she was later treated for her injuries at a local clinic. Neither her nor her pr- husband believed. Um, oh, I'm sorry. Neither her husband nor the police believed her story. Oh, geez. Her husband believed that she was cheating that night uh, and just like ran off with another guy. Yeah, but um, her throat was slit. I don't know. A complicated relationship, I guess. Wow. Um, but you can actually listen to her entire story. She did an interview on Cold Case Files about like the whole thing, which I haven't had a chance to watch, but I'm really curious because it's just like, oh, you get in a fight. I'm going to go. Oh, I'm just going to go have a drink with my friends. Just like cool off, whatever. Get back to it tomorrow. And then this happens. Wow. Um. So after all of this, David was charged and sentenced to 224 years in prison however he died just one year after going to prison which is so disappointing to me 
like like naturally or did someone kill had him? a heart attack oh it's just like ugh, what the fuck you know mm. like obviously he doesn't deserve to be here but at the same time like he just he got away with it yeah he did he got away with it he got off easy uh yeah so what about jesse slash glinda jesse slash glinda she took a plea she was actually involved in uh some drug trafficking and then also some sex trafficking obviously Mm. i don't know what exactly she faced i couldn't find it but i know that like she basically spilled her guts and turned on him turned on him Mm -hmm. and and basically gave information in exchange for a lighter sentence i do know that Cindy, the girlfriend who helped with all of this creepy shit, she was sentenced to 36 years, which is not enough, but she only served 20 and then served two years of in-house parole and is no longer in prison. What? Yep. Uh, One thing that was super fucked up that she also did is that she consistently like bartered with the cops saying that she had information about where the bodies were buried Uh or where the bodies were dumped. Um, And then she just took him out on all kinds of like wild goose Mm -hmm. chases. I've just to get out on that field trip. Um, I've heard about that so often. Yeah. No bodies were ever found. None. Uh, It's believed that they were probably dumped in a nearby lake that they just never recovered them from wow um and yeah that's that's the story of david ray parker aka the toy box killer aka the person who's somewhat sort of similar a little bit tiny like lives in a deserty area that's kind of like a deserty area from a cartoon that also has bad evil villains in it that was made three years before the story came <laughs> yeah. out. I mean, I just think... It's fun, though. It's a fun little twist. It is a fun thing to consider. And I think you're exactly right about it being something that is a core memory as a kid. It has such a huge impact on you because of your age. It's like, whoa, this is the first time I'm seeing something dark and... It's almost like you're not really supposed to be seeing that. Like a, like a kid, you know, sneaking downstairs and watching a scary movie behind the couch while his parents are watching it. Totally. You know? And it's probably like the first time you're experiencing like a a fear from a fictional, like something that's intended uh, to steer. Yeah. Like you get that like, like giddy, like I'm scared, but I'm laughing, but I'm scared, but I'm laughing. I, Remember? Yeah. Okay. Now I'm not even going to say the name. What? Like think of a movie from your childhood or a show or t- whatever that left like a huge imprint on you that just kind of, a show? Whatever. Movie, show. It. Okay. Yeah. How old were you? Oh, I don't know. Probably like, I don't know, 10? Mm-hmm. Pennywise. Yep. It. Mm-hmm. Or there- Labyrinth. Labyrinth was that for me. Like, it was scary. There was this evil goblin who was going to snatch you away. But it was also, like, intriguing and you wanted to keep watching. But it was scary because I was a little kid. Mm-hmm. It is. It's creepy. It's scary. It's a musical. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, remember Electric Grandma? Yes. That creeped me out. Yeah. That creep. That like left like serious imprint on me. Yeah, that's interesting. I'm sure everyone ha- can think of something, some movie, some show, even like a book or whatever they read. You know. Yeah, and it's kind of like 
you know how my favorite murder does like the hometown sort of thing like what is that first true crime story that stuck mm-hmm. with you that, that got, got you into, into true, true crime. crime and this is the same sort of thing it's like what kind of got you into the strange dark and unusual that you kind of always relate stories back to mm-hmm. in Your a way early memory because obviously these stories even the skinwalker might have a little bit of influence but maybe not really it's just you're trying to make connections that are just for fun i don't know but even though like even the writers and stuff those thoughts and images don't just like appear i don't think i think yeah. they're pulling it from something that yeah, they there's probably some influence. saw yeah right and i i guess um the writer was interviewed later on about this and they kind of asked like where did all this dark creepy shit come from and he's like well they're old cattle stories cattle ranch stories like when you would go Uh, campfire exactly Mm -hmm. you would sit around the campfire you would talk about like the weird things that happen when you're out all alone for days at a time or like you're just working really hard for maybe an extended period like you're you're exhausted or whatever and you see weird things and you think weird things and or I mean even when you go like camping or like you know um sleepaway camp or whatever that's called and they tell ghost stories yeah so that's like urban legends coming true which is kind of like this like you have it's kind of like you have the urban legend of the skinwalker which is super old Mm -hmm. goes back to like early Navajo days and then that inspires a cartoon and then that cartoon urban legend is connected to real life because you have this real life skinwalker guy because he's taking on an image of somebody who he really isn't so it kind of like you know a little circular kind of like a ripple i like it (laughs) super cool it's a stretch but i thought it was interesting it's fun it's a fun stretch i don't like that creepy tape man though (laughs) mm-hmm so creepy there's so i like i i don't think i could watch it i i wait there's video oh well there's a video of here i'll show you a little bit um there's a few like i don't know if it's 2020 or you know those like crime shows Mm -hmm. about him which is so weird like why haven't i not heard of this guy i don't even know the name yeah uh but they like they walk through it's like police body cam when they're walking through ah stop the dungeon i like it it's creepy i kind of want to do some more research on that creepy guy yeah um i like all of this really you could do an entire episode on skinwalker ranch you could do an entire Mm -hmm. episode on on david parker ray there's a lot to it cool all right oh last thought shot okay are you ready ready So I'm going to put three minutes on the clock. Oh, God. And I'm just going to ask you questions and see how many you can get through. What's the category? Oh, yeah. I probably should tell you that. 90s cartoons. Oh, I don't know if I'm going to be good at it because, like you said, we didn't have cable growing up. You'll know some of these. Okay. Okay. All right. So ready on your mark. Get set. Go. What is Ned Flanders' wife's name in The Simpsons? Maud. Correct. When the Tasmanian Devil made his debut, who starred in the cartoon? Bugs Buddy. Correct. Really? What is the real identity of the Riddler in Batman comics? No idea. Edward Id... Id... Something with a lot of (laughs) E's. I 
have no idea. Number four, The Flintstones is one of the most popular cartoons in history, but which period is the period based? Stone Age. Correct. Which musical band turned down the part of the vultures for the cartoon The Jungle Book? The Beatles. Correct. Really? Yeah, oh, you're wow, really good I'm at this. a good guesser. What is the alternate name for Mickey Mouse? Alternative Steamboat name. Steamboat Willie. Mortimer Mouse. Oh. Um, the word Simba originated from which language in The Lion King? Oh, I have no idea. Swahili. Which cartoon series holds the longest TV series and sitcom in terms... The Simpsons. Correct. Who is the ad- antagonist... How do you say that word? Antagonist? Antagonist. Antagonist in The Lion King. Uh, Scar. Yep. Who was the person responsible for the original version of Mickey Mouse's voice? I don't know. Walt Disney. What strange reason was Donald Duck banned in Finland? He wasn't wearing pants. Correct. Which cartoon series features futuristic flying cars in each of the episodes? Jetsons. Wow, you're really good. What vegetable type does Popeye utilize? Spinach. Yes. What is the dog's name in the series Tom and Jerry? There is a dog? Yeah, he's like a bulldog, right? Mm, I don't know. Spike. Which cartoon character serves as the official mascot for Warner Brothers Entertainment? I don't know. Bugs Bunny. Oh, well, Anger that makes sense. criticizes which city for running pizza in the cartoon Inside Out? Don't know. That's not 90s. That's no. like new. That's like 2017, Yeah, 18? that's not new. Okay, last one. Which cartoon series showcases a fighter trapped in the future who must conquer a demon to return home? You're not going to know that either. What's that? Samurai Jack? Never heard of it. All right. I'll end on a good one for you. Who is Mickey Mouse's girlfriend? Minnie. Yeah. Okay. So those weren't exactly the most 90s. I guess they were like just fun cartoon trivia questions. But you did really, really well. Thanks. Okay. Um, Next week, I have another listener request. Oh, nice. It's like they're kind of doing the work for us at this point. Yeah. I like it. So, um, it's a good one. It's it's also not not real murdery. Okay, that's all I'm gonna I, say. You know, that's I like only, that. That's the only clue I'm gonna give. I I want to move more away from like I said. Everybody does true crime, you know. Mm-hmm. But the um, people pe- give the people what they want. They want the murders. They want the blood. They yeah, want the killing. That's true. If it bleeds, it leads. Uh, I have two more things to tell you that I totally forgot. Okay, but. When you're going through your cartoon, like, trivia question things, Mm -hmm. reminded me. So I have a trivia question for you. Wait, this is not how this game works. It is. Because you watch Friends. Oh, I do. Do you know Chandler's middle name? Muriel. Do you know Ross's middle name? Ross. No. Eustace. Well, that's a fun fact. Yep. So that's where he got the names, the writer. Also, one other thing. Wait, 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 wait. The writer of the cartoon got the name Muriel and Eustace from Friends? Yep. So Friends is older than the cartoon. Yes. Oh, wow. Okay. Mm Mm-hmm. All right. That's a fun fact. Yeah. I just thought I'd share that. Uh, Another fun fact before we go. Does your kid or did your kid... Ever watched, I think it's called Coco Melon. No, I Do wouldn't you know? let her. Well, really? Why? Tell me. Well, I just heard it was super annoying. 
I heard it drove the parents crazy. Yeah. Okay. There are some Easter eggs in that involving murder. Did you know that? I've heard some little stories about that. Yes. What have you heard? That it's, um, there was an episode based on like the Watts family murders. Is that what you had heard? So that's the rumor that the whole series is based on them. But according to their IMBD page, the trivia fact states that Coco Millen is honoring the memory of Cece, Bella, and Nico Watts by naming three of the kids those names. Yeah, and I guess it started with like an episode called The More We Get Together. Do you remember that song? Like, the more we get together, together, together. Uh There's an episode and it says, the more we get together, the happier we'll be with JJ and Cody and Nina and Cece and Bella and Nico. So even in that song, it names the the three kids. And Nico, you know, Nico was the little boy that that was supposed to be his name. Yeah. It is kind of weird it to put is. that in a kids. A kids well, I guess animation. like a kid, kids wouldn't know, but I it, know, it but is still, just like I don't know. I mean, it's nice what they're doing, I guess. But is but it's it, weird. Why it, is it nice though? Like, who is it helping? Yeah, I yeah, yeah. Because like, if you were the family, would you be like, oh, that's really sweet? No, you'd be like, that's weird, right? It's, or it's, am I just cold? No, it's weird. It's weird. Because then if you're watching that show with your kid and you realize that, like, that's going to put a whole spin on your thought process. Yeah. Oh, I don't know. It's weird. Okay. All right. The end. So next week, new story. It'll be good. I hope. Okay. All right. Until then, don't forget to be a fountain. Not a drain. Bye. Bye.